The guests on Love Hurts occasionally use some adult language and go into some more intense subject matter, but that's kind of how real life works anyway. This is Love Hurts. I'm Brian Berlin. Today's guest is Annie Tan. Annie is an educator and storyteller living in Brooklyn. Annie talks about being born in the U.S. to Chinese immigrant parents and how she had to learn to live in both worlds. For her, the hardest part was finding a way to keep her parents happy while still trying to live her own life. Hey, Annie, how's it going? I'm good. How are you doing, Brian? Pretty good. Just kind of been like trying to get my life together on the Sunday. <laughs> Same. <laughs> yeah. I just did laundry. Yeah. So. I've been like trying to reorganize some stuff in my kitchen and just it's real fun. <laughs> I know. Uh, well, thanks so much for being here. Absolutely. Yeah. What, what did you want to talk with me about today? So I moved out of my parents' house this summer and I'm just like, yes, I'm 29. Um, but it's been causing a lot of tension between me and my family. Um it was really hard to move out because my parents really wanted me to stay. You know, my parents are Chinese immigrants. Okay. And uh, so they moved to America and I was born here. So when I was born here, you know, I have to deal with being both Chinese like, and try and figure out Chinese culture and the Chinese language because my parents don't speak English. And also try to figure out how to be in school and be American and just... Yeah, juggling both of those identities. Exactly. I grew up in Chinatown and I was born and raised there. And, you know, my parents are Chinese immigrants and they don't speak English. They don't know a lot of the culture and traditions of America. Yeah. You know, and they came to America like four years before I was born. So they were just working. So they were new. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When when you came along. Exactly. And so now I kind of had to become like this cultural translator for them you know like as soon as i started learning how to read i was already translating mail like already starting to help them figure out tax documents and medicaid forms and like public housing assistance forms like all the things that i could to help them i had to do as a kid yeah you were just sort of thrown into america very quick both in culture but then also all the bureaucratic like behind the scenes right. paperwork that comes with being an American and applying for things. It was a fun show. Yeah. <laughs> so I you mean, know like, I had like two brothers to help out too. So but it, you know, as an American but Chinese American, it's like, wow, like what do my parents want from me? You know, like they they think one way about just me being a girl growing up in Chinese culture, right? And they have expectations around what a girl is and um, what I should be doing, like getting good grades and going to school, learning English, like hopefully marrying some Chinese guy in the future, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I'm just so confused because like my Chinese isn't great and my parents never uh, really spoke much in the house. They just were working all the time and were tired. So all I knew were like the food words, you know, in Chinese. Okay, so, yeah, like that's what they would speak in Chinese when right. they were, okay. Yeah, and so uh, I... You know, I started learning about being Chinese and American and like, you know, looking for those kinds of texts. I actually like would watch like I was a nerdy little kid and like at 13 would watch documentaries like <laughs> Becoming American, the Chinese Experience on PBS. Um, and like I was helping, you know, and I, I wanted to stay in New York. So I stayed uh, in New York for college and I dormed because I like, you know, my school offered dorming for me. Okay. But 
I still wanted to stay near my parents so I could help out, but I was still trying to like navigate. Um, and so that's when the phone call started. So like since college, starting 11 years ago, my dad, he has called me every night, every single night at 8.30 or 9.30, wherever I am in the world. And he calls me for 30 seconds and he's like, Lisek Fanmea, have you eaten yet? And, <laughs> <laughs> and straight up, he just, all we talk about on these phone calls is food. And he's, it's just like a check-in to make sure I'm okay. But I'm just like, God, dad, like, like we can't talk about anything else. I can't talk to you about like, <laughs> yeah, like he's not like, yeah, like, what are you up to? What'd you do it today? It's just like, what did you eat for dinner? <laughs> right. Straight up. Oh, what did you eat for dinner? Oh, like, was there any vegetables with that? <laughs> oh, you should eat more vegetables. Are you like cooking? Oh, no, you bought that meal. That's not good for you. Okay. Make sure you go to bed early. Good night. And that like that's the, your entire phone that's call. That's the entire phone call. He just marks it down in his journal. Right. Like Annie's food. <laughs> <laughs> food diary. Food diary in his brain. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and oh, man. Yeah. So that happened starting at 18. That at would happen. 18. And he's been doing it every day for the past 11 years. Okay. But like, it's just it's just terrible because I'm just like, shouldn't we be talking about some <laughs> deeper thing, you know? Um, and there's a Chinese phrase uh, in Cantonese called juxing, which is uh, liter- it literally means hollowed out bamboo shoot. Okay. Right. And it's the phrase you use for ABC, like me, an American born Chinese kid. And okay. it means like you are literally an empty shell because you are like born in America and you can't possibly be fully Chinese. So there's just a connotation like I'm not fully Chinese and I'm not fully like, you know, respected because I'm an ABC. Yeah, there's like a negativity to that. Like, Absolutely. You can't be as Chinese as your parents were right. or whatever. And right. Yeah. Okay. And so like just starting from that young age, like and I've been called Juxing since I was oh, really? a very like four or five years old. So like there's just this constant pressure to like be the best kid you know and to like just do the right thing but like i can't talk to my parents about anything because i like all i can talk to them about are food because yeah the only things that uh they used to talk to me about was food so all all you know are the food words (laughs) which is really hard yeah like you're saying in cantonese like if you want to have a conversation with your parents it's hard because it's based like the words you know are food-based words, right? Or like I guess simple greeting words and things like that, right? right? And I I've, I've started over the years to try to learn some words, like you know I would learn the word for union gongwei because I'm a union activist, or okay. like Asian Asian people ajaoyan, like uh, because I'm also doing Asian American activism. But I started like learning those terms because I was like I'm telling all these people I'm writing about it, like and like. When I was in Chicago, I used to live in Chicago. Like I could tell uh, my then white boyfriend and his family all about the things I was doing, and I couldn't tell my parents. Oh like, man! Yeah. I'm being like this honest human being in the world, like trying to make change in the world with my students, um, and I can tell my white boyfriend and his parents things I have never told my parents about, just like trying to change the world and like just really deep down to yeah, hard the, things it, and it's tough because it's probably the things that you're proud of as a person right that you're proud of that you've been doing the past whatever years mm-hmm. and you in a way you probably just want your parents to be proud of you for that right but you can't even tell right. them what you're doing right like part of it's just like an emotional like 
my what if my parents are disappointed in me yeah with this but then a lot of it's just straight up language like i in order to like say i went to the beach one day for instance like i would say i went to the place with sand and water because i didn't know how to say <laughs> beach or like the place where they show the movies because i didn't know how to say movie theater you know so um you know there's just a huge divide when you're like a kid of immigrants like that and i know a lot of my friends feel that um and so i'm tr now like you know i think i was like 25 or 26 at the time and i just decided i have to be more honest with my parents you know i have to actually tell them what i'm doing and uh, uh one thanksgiving like three years ago i told my parents hey you know during one of the phone calls one of the 30 second phone calls my dad's like hey where you, have you eaten yet and i go yeah i'm actually at my boyfriend's family's place right now for thanksgiving uh we're having thanksgiving dinner and you know, I don't think it's a big deal because Chinese people don't celebrate Thanksgiving. Okay, yeah. But my dad got really mad and he said, Annie, um, why aren't you here with us in New York? Why are you at your white boyfriend's place in Chicago celebrating with them? You should be with us. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm here. I'm in Chicago. That's where I am. And he's like, well, if you want to do that, fine. Don't call me. And he hung up the phone on me. Wow. Yeah um and, and so at that point too like so you how long had you been dating this person i was dating will his name's will. will um dated him about two years at that point okay almost two years and so your parents they knew long? about yeah, him yeah, yeah. but like you know i don't think they expected me to yeah because i was gonna say family's like, place you said earlier like they want they expect you to like grow up and marry somebody who's chinese and right. and so so for you in that world like yeah, I guess like how was that something that was like tense with them or? Well, I I told them and then yes, it was tense, but I didn't realize how tense it was until that that moment, moment when I called yeah. them. Um, and then like my mom called me a week later and she was like in tears. She's like, your dad is threatening never to talk to you again. And I was like, wow. Um, and she said, Annie, like I'm at a museum in Chicago at this point, like just like. I'm just like bawling in a museum and my mom's like, please don't marry this man. Ugh. And I was like, I'm not even going to marry yeah, him. Yeah. Like, I don't know if I'm going to marry him, but like, that's not where we are. I just went to his parents' house for Thanksgiving, yeah. you know, um, but I'm bawling. And I told her mom, like, if I did everything that you told me to do in my life, then I would never actualize and be my own person and I would never be happy. And I can't do everything you asked me to do. And my mom said, okay, then we're not calling you then. And she hung up and my mom and dad didn't call me for three weeks. Wow. You know, for after hearing from them every night, every night since I was in college and after that. Um, and that was really hard um, to hear that I wouldn't be accepted because I was trying to be my own person and make my own choice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it thought a little like after Christmas, like I came home for the Christmas okay. holidays okay. and, you know, I talked it out and I told my dad um, upon my boyfriend's advice uh, then, uh, dad, I want you to be happy. And we had a long conversation and my dad was like, I can never be happy knowing that you're with a man who doesn't understand our culture and traditions. <sighs> and uh, and he like it thought like he talked to me after that, but. It just, it was never the same. Like, then I knew, like, he was deeply hurt by it. And 
that it wasn't it wasn't like I was going to break up with my boyfriend for him but I, I guess I was like feeling so cavalier and like I get to make my own decisions I'm yeah a you person. just felt like you were just like casually living your life right. in the way that you wanted to live it right and then all of a sudden it was like wrong right for you to just do the things that you were doing and be my own person yeah. you know and like how hard is that to hear like no yeah, like, especially from your parents right? right like you've made a decision that will affect your whole family's life you know and like i'm i'm 26 27 at that time and uh and i'm just like wow like I really love my family and I really love this guy and like I'm going to have to make a decision like and I realized like my something in my family was broken right and that in order for me to fix it I had to move back home and I asked my boyfriend I asked Will then like move move to New York with me right and Will started looking for jobs and he ended up finding his dream job in San Diego. Uh, <laughs> of course. Yeah, like trying to get to New York and instead <laughs> goes to San Diego. Right. Because, uh, you know, he wouldn't have found the job yeah, otherwise. Yeah. But he was like, I have to go. And I was like, I can't go to San Diego with you. Yeah, like I can't get further from my parents at this point. Right, right. That there's something just fundamental here. And of course, it didn't help that like my parents hated him. Like that yeah. was really hard on yeah, him. Yeah, like even if even if he came to New York, right? It's like there was a whole other set of things that you right. still would have needed to figure out. Right. Well, like, if he had come, like, I feel like we could have won them over. Yeah, yeah. Because you know? then it's like, actually, like, we can be here for dinner. We can, like, you can meet him and get to know this right. person that I really care about. Right. But, at the, yeah, I guess at that point, he was literally just, like, this this idea of just a white man right that you were dating and right. that was it right like right. that was the only right because they had no context yeah, for who he, had he no was personality right. or he was just a white person <laughs> he was just somebody ruining like your parents He's a guaylo, no, yeah, no a byron like all of it um okay, yeah but i also realized that through that relationship that you know i had accepted that my parents might not accept my boyfriend like ever like you know i could date a Chinese guy that they don't approve of. They, yeah. I could accept, yeah, I guess, you know, yeah. but that that has ramifications for the guy I'm dating too. Like, I think I was also cavalier about that. Like, oh, like I've accepted it. Why don't you yeah, accept you, it? Yeah, you like didn't think about how much it was probably hurting him in that situation to just be like, right. you just have to be okay with my parents hating you because I'm okay <laughs> with it. Yeah, like, <laughs> You didn't do anything wrong. They're right. just going to hate you. Right. Like, they you just know. hate you because of your race. Yeah, and that's and like a that- terrible thing to have to put on somebody. <laughs> to, yes. Yeah, right? like, yes. So it's just, it was one of those like, oh, like I have to be more like thoughtful about my partner and my parents and but mostly to myself. Yeah, like, just because it's such a, more of a burden for you, I guess, right? Right. Not a burden, but it's like you just have so much more that you have to juggle. Right. That like if I actually prioritize my family and I love them, I love them to death. Like, but also prioritize myself. I'm going to have to make some decision that like allows them to be in the mix too. And like, yeah. you know, and, and that's very hard, you know. Um, so then I moved back. Right. And like I moved back home to New York like after that summer. So you moved back in with your parents. Yes. I moved back in two years ago. And, you know, it was it was starting to be OK. Like, you know, I was starting to learn things about them that I never learned. Like I learned just like a few months ago that 
my mom for like eight or nine years was a cow and pig farmer in China. Well, like she yeah. was straight up like pick up like pee and poop on the farms and like sleep out in the shed and things like that. And I learned like my parents met while they were uh, working on a building together. My mom would like load up a rickshaw with like items to help build things. And my dad would push the rickshaw. And that's how they met. Oh, that's very cute. Yes, it is very yeah. cute. And like I started learning all these things about their lives in China that like I couldn't have learned had I not moved back in, which was really nice. Yeah. Because there's that part of, I guess, one, you just got to a level more where it was easier to communicate with them. Because you were saying you were learning more and more of the language, right? Yes. And I uh, I, was, I started taking Cantonese classes actually like a year and a half ago. Uh, okay. And uh, so like now I'm actually like, oh, I'm learning the word for this. I'm yes. learning the word for like illegal. I was like, oh, I can say things are illegal. We're starting to talk about politics. Yeah. You know, and I like just registered my dad as a Democrat, you know, in New York's you know, he can vote now. It's just like, and I helped them with their citizenship application, you know, when I moved back in and like yeah. all these things that I couldn't have done had I still been living in Chicago. Yes. And so, and then, and it also just feels like you're able to connect with them on the level of like, probably you just being more of an adult now, right? Yes. Of like that, some of that stuff you're talking about, it's like stuff that would probably just come out, just you being at a level where you can connect with your parents at right. a different level than you were when you were kind of the ch like they were seeing you as right. a child, right? Right. I could talk about like how hard my job has been and, you know, how, like how hard it is to juggle things, like trying to see my friends, trying to find the important things in my life, you know, and like, you know, while they'll say like, why are you volunteering? It doesn't pay you anything. <laughs> why are you going to the Democratic National Convention? It yeah. doesn't pay anything. <laughs> so they As, still have their value, like the way like, that they see the world that they're talking to you about. But you can at least talk to them about this stuff. Exactly. They're exactly. like hearing about your life now. Right. It's, yeah. it's funny. Like I, I told you like in conversation earlier that I'm on the Moth Radio Hour this week. Yeah. Right? And I haven't told them yet. <laughs> you know, there are just certain things I still don't tell them and they don't tell me. And which uh, I feel like is true of any kid and yes. parents. Like oh, it's absolutely. You know, the expectation shouldn't be that your parents should know everything about what you're doing. And no. You should know everything about what they're doing. No. But yes. But yeah. You have yeah. that closeness to them where that seems like something you'd want to be able to tell them. Right. But it's probably a hard thing to. Right. Just know. like the boundary. Like what does the yes. boundary look like? And then then they kept fighting for other boundaries like Annie. You have to be home at 10 o'clock. And I'm like, Dad, I'm 29. That's not happening. So like there would be times like when I was living at home those two years that like he'd call me 17 times. Like and I'd, I'd be in the middle of dinner or something. And oh, then man. Yeah. my phone has blown up. I might be on a first date that I haven't told them about, <laughs> you know, or like seeing a show or whatever it was I was doing. And I'd be like, why has my dad called me nine times? Like there is no reason for this. Yeah, so that became such a boundary setting point in your life of like, okay, I'm back home, but right. I'm an adult. Right, right. And I'm like, and I'm your not answering can't see the phone. That, right? no. Yeah, it's like. Right. And it's just, it just got to a point where like we were just getting so mad at each other, Brian. We were <laughs> like so pissed at each other. Like, you know, he just, he didn't want me doing all the things I was doing. I was like, but I'm a grown person and I get to make mistakes and. Like, he wants the best for me. I, and I know he doesn't want me to make mistakes, but it's just really hard to, like, live in a house like that, you know? Yeah, because, again, it's going back to that thing where they have their, their like, dream for you and what you end up as. Right. But then now there's all these new things that you've unwillingly signed up for, like right. them thinking they could put a curfew on you and this, like, or, like, you 
I'll now have all this other stuff by right. just coming closer to them again. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, I I was like so struggling with this and moving back to New York and starting teaching here. So I ended up finding a therapist. Yeah. Oh, thank goodness for therapy. <laughs> therapy. Everyone get a therapist. Everyone yeah, listening. Yeah, it's very nice. And I knew this was specifically around like cultural issues so i sought out a asian american therapist oh yeah and and i found a chinese american therapist and you know i would tell her like oh how my parents have never said i love you and i could say that to like you know other people like friends in my life but i've never like i've tried to say that in the past and like i could talk to her about the food and she was like yes chinese people just they're very uh straightforward about what they talk about you know, I could talk to her about everything and she just straight up got it. Like, how nice is it, Brian? Yeah, because it must feel so, again, like you, you feeling a little bit like an, there's like, you're trying to find your place, right? And it's like, you know that you can't fully connect with your parents and then you can't fully connect with the world outside of you when it comes to your parents, like going right. back to your boyfriend that you left in Chicago. Like, there was just something there that it was hard to explain to. Right. Or I'm sure with other close friends when you're right. trying to explain your parents. Right. And all of a sudden, this person just has that, like, thing that they've already... They get this right. thing because they just have experienced that. Right. There's too, no right? needing to explain context at all. Yeah. And, the con- That's yeah. what I was, like, trying to come up with. Saying a lot of words is context was the word <laughs> yes. I was trying to come yes. up with. Yeah. And so that was so nice. But th- And then, like, after months and months, my therapist was like, Annie, I think moving out is a good option, right? But, like, months and months, I'm not listening to her. I'm like... No, I think I can do this. I think I can so make keeps, this work. She right? keeps like putting out like, right. you should move out. Right. She keeps telling you, you should move out. I'm like, <laughs> um, and then finally in July, like the summer break, like. Um, yeah, because you're a teacher, right? Yeah, I'm a teacher. Thank you, teacher vacations. <laughs> uh, you know, my therapist asked me like, Annie, like, why are you seeking your parents approval so desperately? You know, that that's what you've been talking to me about all these months and I straight up just I I started sobbing like right there and I told her I was like I'm I'm trying to build some relationship with them right now like I chose to move back to New York because I'm scared and I know in my heart they will disown me again that they I will do something wrong like whether in my teaching or like with a boyfriend or whatever it is that I do wrong that doesn't meet their Chinese cultural expectations. And they're going to disown me and never talk to me again. And I want this time with them, these like this time living with them, because when they disown me, that I won't think of them as monsters. Yeah, which is awful because yeah. it's... <laughs> Because you're you're just waiting for something bad to happen, right? right? It's like right, like why could I tell like my my white boyfriend's parents that I love them, and not my own parents? Yeah, you know, um, and why could they not tell that to me, my parents? No, like there was just also like, do they love me? Is this love like conditional or not? Is it conditional on me being a good daughter? Yeah, like we will love you if you meet these expectations for us, right? And it's it's so funny because I'm a pretty good daughter you know yeah like, you said everything right, that you've said right, so like you've I, done all this stuff for yeah, them yeah i i translate i send home yeah. money like and now by the way i am dating a chinese boyfriend incidentally <laughs> like, <laughs> incidentally he speaks no chinese okay so, they don't need to know that no, like, they, no they know <laughs> that. i guess they would have to you yeah. they'd find out pretty quick right it's it was like, so funny like when i told them i was dating this chinese guy they were like 
uh, I was like, oh, yeah, he doesn't know any Chinese. It's like, yeah, he can go to those he Cantonese classes. He can start learning. Yeah. <laughs> You've learned. He can learn. Right, right. And <laughs> um, oh, my goodness. And so when I told my therapist this, like, they're going to disown me again. And at least if I live at home right now, then like, then I will have built something. Yeah, you have something. just a little bit more time with them mm-hmm. where things are good. Right. And my therapist are, was just, you know, as I'm sobbing, as like I'm blowing my nose, she's just like, Annie, like just acknowledging the wound, you have to acknowledge the wound before it can heal. Right. And so like I acknowledge like, oh, like all of this is about so much uh like seeking my parents approval all of this time and i was like you know what i i need to move out like my therapist is right i need to move out she's been saying for weeks right months months and i was like if i move out then like it will kind of test it like whether they will disown me but also it's like on my own terms that i chose to like make this disapproval happen and to be my own person and I'll be okay. Like, I lived by myself in Chicago for five years. Like, I know how to live by myself. Like, yeah, you're not worried about your ability to live alone. It's more of just, like, what that's going to mean to your right. parents, right? And, like, our relationship yeah, to one exactly. another. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so I moved out. I moved out end of July, which was so beautiful, to this beautiful <laughs> studio that, like, is a 10-minute walk from work. The apartment is owned by a nice Chinese landlady who doesn't oh, yeah. speak English. Okay. So, like, I literally picked the apartment that would get the least disapproval from my parents, yeah. you know? <laughs> like, she speaks Cantonese. Like, she lowered my rent a hundred bucks. Like, every everything about this situation should be like the perfect. perfect. yeah. But my parents, like, gave me the silent treatment for a while, like, a, like weeks. So it's just, like, the Thanksgiving thing right. all over again? Right. And, like, you know, they, before I moved, they, like, spent, like, overall an hour just chastising me, like, don't move like you're spending all this money you should save this for a house like you're the you're a bad daughter how could you do this Uh, like and just yeah in my mind i was saving our relationship by moving out because it just felt like you were getting to the point where everything was gonna you weren't gonna be able to continue living in that like peaceful not but like the way where things were going really well and you're getting along with them because you were growing tired and growing frustrated with right and they were getting frustrated with me like every day would be something new like whether i was wasting money going out uh, to dinner with friends or going to volunteer or whatever it was i was doing you just need a little bit of that space where they can't be like on every decision that you're making exactly um and so like you know when i decided to move out i was talking to my girlfriends who are all also chinese american who i grew up with in chinatown and my all of them were like, yeah, like one one friend, my friend Carmen's like, Annie, my parents didn't talk to me for a month. They were so mad at me. <laughs> right. Keely tells me, Annie, like I promised them I would go home for dinner every week. And I have I go home every Tuesday. I sleep over. They give me a pile of food and I just repeat the cycle over again. And they're happy, you know, Um and so like all so these everyone's things. experienced the yes, same thing everyone. that you're like currently oh, experiencing. Right. And it's, it's so funny to hear about like, you know, you read the news and you hear about millennials living with their parents. And like you hear that like all these white Americans like want their kids out. Uh, yeah. Right. And like you hear this like like it's like, nope, my parents want me home. My Chinese parents want me home. But I hear like literally, Brian, 
every one of my Chinese American friends who've moved out have gone through this. All of them. Yeah. And it's sort of the first time that you learned it when you were like, hey, I'm doing this. And they're all like, yeah, we all did it. And it sucked. But we figured it. It's like, it'll be okay. Right. You know, after I moved out, like I like I don't have a car and New York City is terrible with driving. So I like I moved out everything with like a suitcase, like a big suitcase that's like maybe two, three feet tall. And like I would shove all my clothes and my books and everything in that suitcase uh my parents refused to help me or giving me the silent treatment and like i'm waddling the suitcase down five flights of stairs everyone all my friends are at work so like i can't ask anyone to help because i want to move over the the summer yeah yeah right and then like i waddle it down the floor wheel it over to grand street station waddle it back down to like two flights because you know the stations then i had to go take the d train to the r train to bay ridge then I waddle my suitcase back up the stairs and then I wheel it over to my Bay Ridge apartment. And I have to do this every day for like two weeks just to bring everything to the apartment. Oh, man. Building a bed frame. My friend Carmen, the one I mentioned earlier, like she helped me get to Ikea and got my bed frame and my futon. And like I did everything myself. Like that studio was done in like 10 days because I was like... If my parents come here, I'm going to have to prove to them I can live by myself. Like, yeah. still, still more parent approval. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, but I, like, I still was like, all right, I'm going to go home. And, like, I went home and my mom's glaring at me with the silent treatment. Yeah, so at this point, they're yeah. still not talking to you. No. But then I go into my bedroom in our apartment in Chinatown and, like, it's untouched. My parents haven't touched anything. You know, sometimes, parent like... The big thing, like my brother was like, Annie, dad's going to change the keys and he's going to like kick you out. I was like, oh, no. And then I realized the Chinese father in him would never do that because then it would require me buying all new clothes and things. And he would never <laughs> let me spend more money. <laughs> so I knew that wasn't going to yeah. happen. But I didn't expect them to just leave my bedroom untouched, you know. Um, and then I walked further in and there's just bowls and plates on the floor. And my mom's just like, your dad washed them all for you. You don't have to buy any bowls and plates. We'll give you everything you need. Like, you, like we're not going to help you move, but we'll give you things. Yeah, it was like this one show of support, right? Right. There, there's- right. This is happening. They can't do anything about it. So we might as well help our help daughter. Her. Yeah. Right. And then we had dinner. And then my mom packed me like two things of like soy sauce chicken, guy, because she knows it's my favorite. Um and then, like, I went home with all this stuff and, like, I was like, okay, like, it's thawing a little. And then I went home another day during the summer and it was just my dad. And my dad is the one you have to win over. And my dad gives me the silent treatment for, like, 20 minutes. And I'm like, all right, dad, I have to go now. And my dad goes, you uh, song choy. Do you want this cabbage? <laughs> and he like goes into the fridge and takes out a big old head of cabbage and hands it to me. I was like, oh, thank you, dad. Don't you, papa. He was like, uh, you mew pingo. You want apples? And then so he hands me apples. You mew uh, toy fa. You want uh, cauliflower. So now I have like a whole tote bag full of like produce for my dad. I was like, thank you, dad. Don't you, papa. And I like walk out and like. I just realized it's going to be okay. And then I I just like flash back to like a conversation I and my dad had like when I was like, you know, maybe 19 or 20 when we were fighting over something. And I told him, Dad, I love you. Right. And he kind of just tossed it off. He gave me like a grimace. He was like, 
Like, uh, you don't, you don't say I love you. It means not, your words mean nothing to me, right? And I thought that was just like, because he was angry at me, right? It's yeah. Like, but he was like, you don't sh- do anything to show it, right? That's what he told me okay. at the time. And like, at the time I was just like, oh, he's just ungrateful. You know, he's just mad at me. But I, like, now I'm realizing, no, like, he's been doing that all his life. You know, he's been giving me cauliflower and cabbage. But he's also just been calling me every day, even though he doesn't know what to say. And, like, it just through all of this, through moving out, like, I've realized my parents do love me in their own way. And it it was never conditional in the first place. They could be mad at me over things and, like, they could disapprove of things. But it never meant that they wouldn't support me. Who who knows? Maybe I could come on this podcast in a few years and be like, no, actually, they just don't. <laughs> it all turned around. <laughs> but like, yeah. But I think just, I I don't think I would have figured that out had I not moved out. Yeah, because it, it 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 was like so hard for you to separate that like that thing of like them being very on you and what and what you can do and what you're allowed to do and your all that stuff because. That was them loving you. Right. And it was just this way of you were like, you're keeping me from like living my life. Right. Right. And just kind of yeah, having that separation of knowing that like, oh, no, that's just them loving me. Right. Right. And separating from that a little bit. And I was just watching uh, Lady Bird on, like, oh, yeah, online. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, it's the same thing. This mom is really tough on this daughter. But this is the only way she knows yeah. how to show it. Like, yeah, and the it's movie just, is so good. Yeah. And I, oh, it's. Yeah, it's and it's so probably hot, easier yeah. to see it in that context, right, right. than your own life. Right. You're like, you're like, oh, yeah, that mom loves Ladybird. Right. And, like, cannot show it other than, yeah. like, doing these really hard things that make Ladybird feel like, wow, like, how can you do this to me, mom? Um, and, oh, I'm, I'm just so grateful now that I moved out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because one, you're probably a lot happier in your yes. day-to-day life. Yes, agreed. But two, you could probably also appreciate your parents a bit more right. with the space between them, right? Right. I think, too, the fact that I've been coming home every week. Yeah. Like, they know I didn't just ditch them, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's great. Yeah. Thanks, oh. Annie. Yeah, it's thank very you. beautiful. It is beautiful. No, it's nice. Yeah. Um. Yeah, if people are, is there ways that people can follow you online or like, do you have mm. stuff that you want to tell people about? Uh, so you can find me on Twitter at angry teach and then the letter R because okay. I think angry teacher was taken. So I did the R, so angry teach R. Uh, I also have a WordPress account, same name, angry teach R.wordpress.com. Um, and my writings online, like I've been, yeah. Yeah, I've been on, you know, like, teaching sites like edutopia and like i was i wrote an article that ended up on huffington post one so you could find that online yeah and hopefully you'll see me around new york city telling more stories yeah Mm -hmm. and that's how i met you that's how yeah that's how we met i Mm -hmm. saw you tell a story and i was like oh you should tell a story on a podcast there you go and now you just heard it there you go just happened i know great the world is wild (laughs) thanks annie thank you brian this is how we This is how we fight for something that's right. Love Hurts is produced, hosted, and edited by Brian Berlin. Theme music by Mickey Hommel. Show art by Caroline Mallon. You can find Love Hurts on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like the show, 
rate and review it on Apple Podcasts, and tell a friend about it. You can find Love Hurts on Instagram and Twitter at lovehurtspod, and our website is lovehurtspod.com. I'm Brian Berlin, and this is Love Hurts.